0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 East Village. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at c3ev.ca or find us on Instagram at c3 East Village. Begin the week for you. So, um, welcome you. However you found yourself here, uh, we're so happy you're here with us. And a great worship team. Thank you guys so much for that. Yeah, give me a clap. And yeah. Lyndon, um, Lyndon was the guy singing here with the acoustic. And uh, and I'm just so thankful for Lyndon and leading the team and how far he's come. And uh, he he's an extremely confident personality. But I'll tell you behind the scenes, he's one of the most humble dudes and most teachable guys. And I'm just so proud of you, man. And I just felt in worship there, uh, God was just saying and and reminding me that it's the secret place where you get your power from and your authority from. And um, it's not just because I live in the same apartment with you and I don't listen through the door, but I know that in your secret place, you're worshiping, you're practicing. and, um, And we just thank you as a church for leading an amazing team and everybody in the team. So does a great job every week um we like brad said we had an amazing uh feast in the east last week and i just wanted to thank you all for being there so much and uh everyone who helped out i'm not going to start thanking by name because it's just ongoing but uh really it does take a lot of effort a lot of planning to do something like that and i I hope you guys got to enjoy it who were there and be a part of it and and so many of you guys were involved in many ways as well so it's easter times kind of a, a funny time for a preacher you know there was a um, a pastor once who'd been pastoring for many, many years, and uh, he'd just finished preaching at his Easter service, and he saw a man coming towards him with a scold on his face. He knew he recognized the man, but he, he, didn't, he didn't know quite who it was, and, and the man marched right up to the preacher after he'd been preaching at, at Easter service there, and, and he looked at him and he said, you know what, pastor, in 22 years that I've been coming here, I only hear you talk about the birth and the death of Jesus. Surely there's more to it than that. The pastor looked at him for a moment, and then it clicked. He realized why he only recognized him. He said, oh, Mr. Wilkinson, so good to see you. Well, could I suggest that maybe the only, time, the only reason you hear about the birth and the death is because you only show up on Easter and Christmas. Come the other 50 weeks of the year to find out more about what's going on. I know it's a dad joke. It's fine. I am a dad, so I can get away with it. But you know, it's um, I love preaching at Easter and Christmas time. But it is a, a conundrum for me because um, we focus in on these scriptures about Jesus and and his birth um, at Christmas. Obviously, his death, and and we kind of can maybe if you're anything like me. Um, compartmentalize it and put it in a silo that, oh, this is the time of year where we focus on these things, and then the rest of the year we focus on other things, when the reality of following Christ is that that's the core of our faith every day, that that's what we preach, that Jesus came, he lived as a man, that that he was crucified and he was resurrected again. That's what we preach, and it's not just around Easter time uh, that we do that. And so tonight we're going to continue our series, Simply Jesus, um, right there on the screen. So I have to preach on it because it says it on the screen. No, I'm, I'm happy to preach on it. But um, but really, this is what we we speak on every week. So we look at different themes here as a church, and um, I hope you come back and you'll see that we look at different themes, but it really, it's always anchored into what we spoke about last week and what we're speaking about tonight, and that's Jesus and what he's done for us. When we speak about finances, when we speak about Holy Spirit, when we... Speak about spiritual warfare or marriages, relationships, or whatever it might be. It's anchored to the cross. It's anchored to what Jesus has done. And one of my favorite verses um, I get to speak on tonight is in Colossians, um, the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But um, everything in the Word of God is pointing towards Jesus in some way or another. You know, the Old Testament it's pointing and foreshadowing the coming of Yeshua, our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's pointing towards him. Then the Gospels, the, the four accounts of Jesus' life there from uh, the same same story, the same historical moment looked at through slightly different perspectives is about the life of Jesus. And then everything after that is, is filtered through and, and pointing back to Jesus and what he did. Therefore, because of what Christ did, this is how we will live. Even into the book of Revelations where we're looking forward to the the coming savior again. The entire Word of God is about Jesus and His love for us, and um, and you know we get to we get to explore that every week. So we're just so happy you're here with us. But where we find ourselves here in Colossians, um, I just got out of my message here. Um, is that Paul's writing to a church here. So the Apostle Paul is writing to a church and he's addressing a few different things. Some, uh, it's very early in the, the birthing of the church, but there's already some funky ideas coming up about who Jesus is. So really what he's addressing is, is heresies that are taking place in the church. And uh, we don't know the exact kind. We can get a picture of it from looking at the historical context. But um, but really, there's there's two types that become apparent to me. There's the judo judoizers, who are coming in, and basically they're saying, yeah, um, yeah, Christ uh, did die, and he, Jesus was God, and he, he died for you on the cross. But you still have to apply these rituals, these laws to be saved. You have to do these things. So they were putting the law back on God's people, and that's what they were doing. And then so sometimes you know. Heresy, which is a big word, and, and you know when they're talking about it here, they're not talking about the sneakers that the preacher's wearing. They're talking about a different kind of thing that's going on. Um, they're talking about the core and the fundamentals of our faith, but it can look a lot like religion. Heresy isn't always this out there crazy thing. It can actually be people trying to add to what Jesus did through using the Bible, through using scriptures. But there's also another group of people at the time who were teaching that um, Jesus was just a man. They were taking away the divinity of Christ. And so I want to talk about Jesus, the supremacy of Christ tonight, and, and that Jesus is bigger than we think. So let me pray before we jump into the word. Lord, I thank you so much for each person who's here tonight. I thank you that um, they're hungry and they're ready, and and we're here to receive your word, Lord. I thank you as we explore your scriptures together. You speak to us, Lord, that you don't make it so hard and difficult to understand, but you're actually speaking to each one of us in our heart tonight. So I thank you wherever we're at, we'll hear from you, and um, we can just hear the message you have for us tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus is big. Jesus is big. He's amazing. He's glorious. He's magnificent. He's not just for Easter. He's not just for Christmas. So Colossians 1 verse 15 is where we're going to start. And I just want to break down one of my favorite passages here and explore some concepts through it. What I'm trying to do tonight is make Jesus bigger in your mind. But I can't do that. It's actually only the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that can do that. But we're going to explore it. So Colossians 1 verse 15. This is Paul speaking about Jesus. He says, The Son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Wow, let's stop there. That's amazing. Like, don't let familiarity or um, Sunday evening-itis, where we're a little tired, Take away from that script, born over all. The Son is the image of the invisible God. First born born over all creation. For in him all things were created. I don't know about you, but sometimes I I forget that Jesus didn't just arrive on the scene when he was born on earth. He's actually been there since the beginning of creation. Jesus didn't just arrive on the scene uh, as a baby there. He was there in the beginning. In John 1, verse 1 and 3, it says, In the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, I love how it switches it, so it's talking about a Word, but really it's talking about Him. It says, through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made. The Word is Jesus, and He was there in the beginning. You know, the Son didn't just arrive in the New Testament time. He was before time existed. Just think about that for a moment. Before Time, the concept of time was created. Jesus was before that. He is God. He's awesome. He's supreme. He's bigger than we think. We don't just meet the Son, uh, Jesus the Son, in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity thing that we talk about. Just in the New Testament, he was actually active in creation. Then throughout the progressive revelation, the story of the Old Testament, Jesus is there. Yeah, he doesn't look like Jesus as a man, but, but Christ was there throughout the Old, the Old Testament. Um, he tells us that in, in Luke 24, verse 25 to 27, the greatest Bible study ever to take place. Oh, I wish I was there. This preacher would be so much better tonight if I was there for that Bible study. Where Jesus sits down with his disciples. He says, how foolish are you? And how you can say that to friends, and that's what he was doing. How foolish are you? How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? So this is after he's resurrected. Then enter his glory. And it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Wow. Greatest Bible study to ever take place right there. It's what the, the early church, Acts 26, 22 to 23, spoke about. That Jesus didn't just arrive on the scene uh, as a, a baby, but he was there in creation. Wow. First Peter 1, 10 to 12, to give you a few other verses to look at. And more than just spoken of in the Old Testament, he was actually present. I'm setting this up here. I want to remind us how big Jesus is. This is going somewhere tonight. He's not just spoken about and predicted. He's actually shows up in the Old Testament. These are just a few of them. But he's the I am in whom Abraham rejoiced. That was Jesus. He says later on that I am in John 8, 56 to 58. He was there. He's the Lord who motivated Moses was Christ. I believe it was a Christology. And Hebrews 11 verse 26 would allude to that. The Redeemer who brought them out of Egypt was Jesus. The rock in the wilderness was Christ. The king of Isaiah's temple vision was the sun. He shows up time and time again through the Old Testament. He was not the backup plan. He is the plan. Jesus is bigger than you think. Paul is reminding us here the supremacy of Christ. He is before all and is over all things. So take note in, the, in that scripture there, he he acknowledged that there's principles um, and authorities, both visible and invisible. And we, we believe that as a church, that there's there's um, stuff going on that, that we don't get to see. You know, there's uh, an enemy who, who doesn't want you to succeed. There's um, demonic things that take place in this earth. And, you know, yesterday I was a part of Cleansing Streams Ministry, which is a great thing. We do it as a church here. It's out at the C3 West location. And we deal with strongholds. And I get to stand there and pray with people and lead them in prayer of breaking some strongholds that had been holding people back all their lives. And yesterday, they got freedom. Isn't that awesome? You can have freedom here tonight, too. There is strongholds and things that come up. And we will speak about that more later this year as we look at spiritual warfare. But the more important that is that Christ has already won a victory over those strongholds. So sometimes we just a bit slow to catch up and we need a little bit of help and guidance and the Holy Spirit to break them down. But Christ won a victory. He is over all things, invisible and visible. He is the true authority. You know, and we actually give these things more power than they, they should have and that's how they get their power. But that's the same with our problems we face too, really. I don't know if anyone's found that, that you, you have a problem come up, a, a storm in life, something derails you and and it starts to consume you, and it starts to seem a whole much, you know, a whole lot bigger than it actually is. Is that just me that that happens to? Or? And then you look back on it once you're through it, through it, and you can go, oh, that wasn't as big as I thought it was. But Jesus is bigger than our problems. Yeah. May I suggest that when you're facing a challenge, take time to remember or just to, to discover how big Jesus is. It's amazing as we allow... The bigness of Jesus into our problems, they begin to shrink. It's all about our perspective. Are you looking at your problem or are you looking at how big your God is? Are you looking at your problem? Are you focusing on that? Or are you discovering how big Jesus is in your problem? Your problem seems too big to handle. Let's go on. Verse See, Jesus too small. He's bigger than you think. So let's go on, verse uh, 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Does anyone ever feel like things are barely holding together? You might say, story of my life. (laughs) Maybe that's just stupid the pastor here. Sometimes we just feel like, oh, things are just barely holding together. I'm so encouraged that in Jesus, all things are held together. Because of who Jesus is. We can take comfort in the promise that He holds all things together, even our broken, crazy, messed up lives and decisions we make. He holds them together. Friends, we have not been promised an easy life. I'm sorry if you've ever thought that that's what following Christ is like. We haven't been promised an easy life. But what we have been promised is that God is with us and that He'll never forsake us and that he'll never leave us and that in those problems we can have peace. Jesus says in John uh, chapter 16 verse 33 he's speaking to his disciples just before he's about to be arrested and taken off and crucified and he knows that they're going to sometimes feel like things aren't holding together. We had this amazing thing. We were traveling with Jesus for 3 years. We we you know, we're seeing demons casted out and healings take place and miracles and then all of a sudden Jesus is arrested and he's killed and now he's in the tomb. He knew that that was coming that the disciples were going to feel like things weren't holding together. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Has your Jesus overcome the world? Sometimes we forget that. I know I do. From the beginning of time, Jesus has been at work in our world and in our lives, in your life. Nothing... I don't believe in just coincidences. I believe in those things that we would say are coincidence or just happenings of life. He continues to write the most amazing redemption story of all time. Through his redemptive work in our lives, if we allow him access into it. So no matter how messed up your life seems, and life can get pretty messed up at times. No matter how many pieces your heart seems to be broken into. Maybe you have a broken heart here tonight. Jesus is more powerful and bigger than whatever caused you that pain. I want to remind us of that tonight. Let's never forget that. You may see your life as broken beyond repair, but Jesus sees a restoration in progress. You're not finished yet. In him, all things hold together. Rest today in this place in the knowledge that Jesus is in control. And as he holds the world together, he can hold your heart and your life together in this place. Jesus is bigger than you think. Amen? So let's continue on verse 18. It says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Oh man, I'm only just scraping the surface of this scripture here tonight. I love this. We could spend so much time in this, um, Colossians. But but what I want to highlight from here is that he is the head of the body, the church. I am so happy. Pastor Brittany is so happy. Pastor Lorne, uh, who's at our oversight now, Pastor, so happy that pastors are not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the head of the body. We get to play a role in that, but our heart is always that Jesus is the authority. Sometimes we stuff it up. I hope I'm the first to apologize when I do. We're just trying to do that, but... But never hold somebody up, never hold me or a preacher on TV or a pastor, uh, your favorite podcast, whatever it is, as that they're the authority. No, Jesus is meant to be the authority. And if someone is putting themselves up as an authority and saying that, that, you know, acting as the ultimate authority, then may I suggest you turn and run from that person. Jesus is the authority. He is the head of the church. I love that. It takes so much pressure off me that I couldn't handle being a pastor of a church, that Jesus is the head of His church. And He's building His church. And I love the Word of God says that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Sometimes church life can seem like hell. Yeah? Sometimes it can be messed up because we're a bunch of broken people. But hell will not prevail against it. God is building His church. We get to be a part of that. When it says He's the head of the church here, um, it's saying in everything he has supremacy which means he has sovereignty authority rulership he has that over the church at the body which we're a part of we're one local body there's many awesome local bodies but then universally across the world there's the body of christ and he's growing that in so many amazing different ways and styles and different things that are taking place Um, that's he's the authority of that but he's also the authority of us as individuals of our lives some of us see Jesus as our buddy and as our pal, as our old friend, and he is. But is he Lord of your life also? Yep. Jesus is a friend. What's that song? What a friend I found in Jesus. I don't know. I didn't grow up in the church. I just heard other people talk about it. But um, Jesus is a friend when you need a friend, but but he's also Lord. He's also God. He's also supreme. So is he Lord of your life? You may have accepted him as your friend, and that's an awesome thing. Have you accepted him as Lord? Does he have authority? Can he give you direction? At the end of the day, have you submitted to him your 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 secrets or your addictions or your relationships or your career choices or whatever it might be? Does he have authority to speak into that? How you see him and what you accept him to be in your world is the difference between being stuck or being free. I honestly believe that that how you see him and what you accept him to be in your world is the difference between being stuck or being free. He is a friend, but he is also Lord. That means allow him rulership and governorship in your whole life. Jesus is bigger than you think because he's a good ruler. Amen. And and it, he's his intentions are always pure. And he has the authority, but he just doesn't come storming in and and, uh, treat us in a way that we don't get to partner together with him. He's waiting for us to come to him and ask him and let him in and say, God, I know your intentions are always pure for me. They're always good for me, that you have good, good things. So have your way. Give me direction. I need help. Jesus is bigger than you think. Verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the, quite get it. I believe God's, and I know God's all powerful, but here it says that he's actually reconciled all things. It's done. It's done to him. On the cross, what he did, he's reconciled all things. All things. Now, as people, sometimes we get there and go, yes, God, all things, but... I mean, some things. I mean, surely you can't save my, my Auntie Sally. She's pretty messed up. She's pretty. You couldn't do that. But all, all other things. No, all things. He did it for all things, all people, all circumstances, all problems, all situations. He is powerful. He is supreme over He has made peace through his blood shed on the cross for all things. I find this so intriguing. It is done. We try and talk ourselves out of it. I don't know if anyone does that. Yeah, God. He did that for everyone else, but but not for me. No, all things. He came for all things. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is unredeemable for God. Nothing can't be fixed. We talked about Him holding all things together. He can repair and bring all things back. That's how supreme He is. I, I you know, recently I had some friends going through. Just a horrible situation in their marriage. Um, Awful. Like like it was was dark days, really dark days. It looked like they were going to get a divorce to the point where one of the comments was made that I've always believed that, that God was big enough to do anything, but I don't believe he's big enough to do this. Has anyone ever, we wouldn't maybe say it out loud, but found themselves in a place where their actions are acting like that? That God isn't big enough for this? That Jesus isn't? Supreme enough for this? You know, and that, that's a heartbreaking place to get to. Now, the good news is they got breakthrough. Yeah, they got a change in perspective. They're now doing better than ever. They're on the mend. They've been reconciled together. They've been redeemed. How did they do that? They allowed Jesus into their problem. They stopped looking at the problem as too big a problem to beat, but they started seeing Jesus for how big he was. That made their problem smaller, and through tears, through heartbreak, through hard work, because it doesn't just happen like that, they're on the mend. Yeah. 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 Jesus is bigger than you think. They allow Jesus in to reconcile and redeem that situation. Wherever you find yourself at um, tonight, whether it's marriage, whether it's um, maybe you're single, but you're just going through a season of life trying to work out what's next. Maybe you're at the end of a season. Maybe you've moved from somewhere or you're thinking about moving, whatever it is, allow God into it. He can reconcile, redeem it, no matter how dark it feels and what situation you find yourself in, God can redeem it and he has redeemed it on the cross. He'll reveal to you how to do that. Jesus is bigger than we think. Verse 21, evil, evil. once you are alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil, evil behavior, Hey, we get scary when evil behavior and these kind of words come in. I love this scripture though. once you were, past tense, once you were alienated from God, we don't have to worry about that anymore because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He's made a way through Jesus. He is the truth. He is the way to God. Once you were, and in our minds, we're enemies with God. I don't know about you. Sometimes I still, find myself functioning out of a place that I think I'm in, God's out to get me or I'm an enemy with God. Like, I know he loves me. I know he did all these things for me. But then when it comes to a, actually applying that to a day-to-day living, I can still slip into weird thinking that, well, God's out to get me on this one. Just me. Sorry. <laughs> That's just me that feels that way. I think we all go through seasons where, whether we'd articulate it like that, we actually think we're enemies with God. But he said it is finished. He said it is done. And that we no longer, it says once you were alienated from God and were enemies, no longer. He is with you. The biggest battlefield we face is not actually a physical one, but it's a battlefield of our thoughts. I don't know, it, it, from the majority of us, right? The battlefield that we're on every day is, is not whether we're, you know, putting on the army outfit or uh, whenever I think like battle scenes, I always go back to like old days, Braveheart and stuff. So you're getting your sword out. You, you're not having to you know, sharpen the sword and make sure the shield's all good when we go out into a battlefield. And in most of, our, most of our lives, I'm pre- pretty accurate to say everybody here doesn't have to do that on a day-to-day basis. But we face a battlefield every day, yeah. the battlefield of our thoughts, of our minds, of are we going to believe the lies this world has? Or are we going to believe the Word of God? This is the biggest battlefield I know I face in my life. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. Oh, I'm so messed up. God wouldn't redeem me. Or maybe it's different. We, we think that he's punishing. Yeah, God forgave me for my sins, but he still wants to punish me for my past life that I used to live. Or that sickness that I, that I have and he hasn't healed me from words. He's trying to teach me a lesson. That's what he must be trying to do. And these are the thoughts we think. That's wrong. That's not our God. That's not who God is. He's not an enemy of you. He is not punishing you. We were alienated from God, past tense. You are fully acceptable, and you can step into his presence confidently here tonight, right, in this moment, because of what Jesus did. Jesus is bigger than you think. Don't let let the battlefield of the mind beat you. Work on it. For some of us, it's easier. For some of us, it's it's, a... Some of us, once a day, we just have to remind ourselves, you know, okay, these thoughts are not of God, so I submit them to him. For others, you might every minute have to remind yourself, I'm a child of God. I'm loved by God. He is not punishing me. This sickness isn't from him. Okay, whatever it takes, I encourage you to fight the battle, because the greatest battlefield is our thoughts. But Jesus has overcome them. He is bigger than we think. In verse 22, um, no, yes, verse 22. You're with me here tonight. Jesus is awesome. I love talking about Jesus. It says, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Verse 23, If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. The good news. Oh man, there's so much in this. If you... If you have and continue to have faith and hope in the good news. Does anyone believe in the good news here tonight? That Jesus came and saved us? That while we were enemies with him, he still came and rescued us? That now we have peace with God? Romans 3 says, uh, I think it's around verse 24, 25, that now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law and the prophets. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So that's speaking of Jesus coming. The the righteousness of God... uh, of God for all those who believe, for we all fall short and, you know, of the glory of God, but, goes on to say, I'm saved by grace through Jesus Christ. That's what we believe. That's the good news. If you have and continue to have the faith and hope in the good news, God does not see you the way you see yourself. What happens when we look in the mirror? So I make so many judgment calls about assuming the way that I I feel is just the way that everyone feels and you guys look at me like, oh that's just you, you've got problems, man, you need prayer. (laughs) But when we look in the mirror, often we see the blemishes. We see the giant zit. (laughs) We see the grey hairs that went or the hair that used to be thicker and more luscious. (laughs) We see the scars. When we look in the mirror, we, we seem to zoom straight into that crooked nose or the eyebrow that's out of place, whatever it is. When I look in the mirror, I, I tend to focus on the, the stuff that's wrong, the blemishes. It says here in this scripture that God doesn't see us that way. But what we do is we project that everybody else, if I can see this thing, And I know about that my past life. And I know about that mistake that I made. I know about that scar, that abuse that I went through. I know about that that thing that I did. We focus on that. But we assume and project that everybody around us is actually focusing on it too. And even if they can't see it, well, God sees everything. And he's looking at that blemish and that scar. And he's focused on that. And he's clicking his tongue. And he's not impressed by it. That's not the word of God, friends. That's a lie. It says here... Right here in the scripture, it says, um, but now you've been reconciled by Christ uh, to present you holy. So to present yourself holy, whole, set apart, right standing in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. You know those accusations that we have in our head or those focuses on the blemish that we have? God does not have that towards you anymore. Stop letting the past hold you down. Stop letting that sin that you used to live in hold you back. If you believe in the good news, he sees you without blemish. He sees you without blemish. Wow, like that's amazing. Can we get excited about that? I'm excited about that. I, You know, I, uh, my past may explain some of the stuff about me, but it doesn't define me. Christ, uh, Christ and my identity in Christ defines me. And so whatever your background is, wherever you find yourself right now, if we believe in Jesus... That he is bigger than we think, and in what he did, he sees you holy, clean, pure. It says in the um, Isaiah. Isaiah it says that uh, that you know, even though our, even though we're, we're stained, that he he washes us white. That's a very bad paraphrase of the scripture. Let me see it here. Um, and then it also says in the Old Testament, it says that. Uh, that he doesn't look to us and see our sins, that our sins are actually as far from west as from east. Another bad paraphrase of a scripture, but it's there, I promise you. He's not looking at your sins. He's not looking at your mistakes. He's not looking at your things uh, that have happened to you that hold you back down. And you see every time you wake up, he's looking at the finished product. And it's awesome because of what he's done on the cross. Jesus is bigger than you think. I want to invite the band up as we conclude tonight. Um, so much in that passage of Scripture. I'd love to spend way more time on it, and we will in the future. I'd love to do a, a book study on, on Colossians, actually. Um, I just said it from the front, so now that I have to follow through of it and make it happen. Um, but I, what I want to do is actually read this Scripture over us uh, before we go back into that, that, that bridge, that song, Lyndon, that I asked for. You know, the one. Um, and we're going to worship, because what I've tried to do tonight is just remind us, just in a, in a small way, that Jesus is bigger than we tend to think. And so we've just come out of Easter, and let's not just worry and be concerned about, um, you know, well, that that's done now, but what now? But no, every day, Jesus is bigger than you think. Jesus has won the victory for you. Jesus has paid the price for you. And this is the driving force of a follower of, of Christ's life. And through the Holy Spirit, obviously, and he, Jesus points us to the Father. But the thing I love about um, the Trinity is that, you know, the... We talk about the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and it's a crazy thing to work out. People have spent their entire lives trying to explain it so I would never kid myself that I'd be able to do a great job of it. But the way that I see the the biblical pattern is that the Father presents the Son. He says, here's my Son. The Son says, well, I'm only doing what the Father did. He also says the Holy Spirit's gonna come and remind you of Jesus. So what it is, is the Father says, here, have access to me through the Son. Jesus comes and shows us Uh, the Father manifests that we get to see the hands and feet that um, invisible God made visible and then He says now I'm leaving and the Holy Spirit's coming which is an awesome thing the Holy Spirit's come, but then He actually points us back to Jesus anyway and says hey remember what Jesus did remember you can have healing you can have resurrection power you can have uh, you can be a conqueror. You can be—you can speak to mountains and, and they'll fall down. Whatever you're facing, you can be in the middle of a storm and you can speak to that because of who Christ is and what He's done. And so I find that it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about who He is and how that looks in our life. And I want to read this Scripture over us again from the message translation. So we know that the Bible is translated from a different language originally. And so there's different... Uh, different ways of translating certain things, but the message is—I think—it paints a great picture of what Paul is trying to say to his disciples in this scripture. It's not a word-for-word word translation. I tend to study from a ESV English Standard Version Bible, which is a more literal version. Then we have the um, NIVs, the NLTs, those kind of Bibles that are more in the middle where they try to do a very good job of of accurately portraying the original language while also not letting it get lost in, in the imagery that the ancient languages had. But this is more of a paraphrase of the whole thing. But before I read this, tonight we're gonna pray and we're gonna worship and I'm gonna invite you to come forward that you're facing a problem, you're facing a storm, you're facing a situation that is stopping you from seeing how big Jesus is. And I'd love to be able to lay hands on you and pray for you tonight as we worship. And it's not that there's something special about me or the people praying, it's actually having someone stand and agree with you the truth of God. Because there's been a lie told to you somewhere along the line, that, that you weren't good enough, that this problem is too big, that Jesus, well, He can overcome everything, but He can't overcome this. So there was a the lie told to you, but the truth is that Jesus is bigger than you think. And He can defeat the situation you're in. But sometimes it actually takes an action, a step of faith, and someone just stand with you and say, we're going to put that problem in its right place, which is smaller than Jesus. Yeah, it's real. We're not going to deny it. We're not going to just ignore it. But we're going to get the perspective right. So then Jesus can come in and move in that problem. Amen. So I'm going to invite you forward after I read this Scripture over. If that's you, if you're facing a problem, facing a storm, a situation, tonight I believe it's going to shift. It's going to break and you're going to get a different perspective as we pray. But I want to, so if you could stand as we just read this scripture. Same one, again, I'm going to read straight through about my rants and my my two cents into it, involved in it. But I want it to wash over you and speak to you tonight. So if you need to close your eyes or anything like that, go for it. So it's 15, Colossians 1.15 says, let this, let's this let speak to you tonight. It says we look at this sun and see the god who cannot be seen we look at this sun we see god's original purpose in everything created for everything absolutely everything above and below visible and invisible rank after rank after rank of angels everything got started in him and finds its purpose right he was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, He organises and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection prayed, He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, He's there, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is He, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in Him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of His death, His blood that poured down from the cross. You yourselves are a case study of what He does. At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of Him, giving Him trouble every chance you got. But now by giving Himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in His presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message. Careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets the same message. Jesus is bigger than we think, church, and we need to remember that. We need to hold Jesus in His right place, as supreme over all. And so I wanna pray, Uh, and I want to invite those people forward. You could come forward right now. If you know that you have a problem... Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at c3ev.ca. See you next week.